0: Thanks for joining us, and welcome to Inside Stories, where we explore Madison one story at a time. I'm Tequila.
1: And I'm Jen. This week, we have Charles Payne in the studio. So, Charles, I believe you just moved to Madison a year ago. Is that right? Yes.
2: Your anniversary just came up.
1: And so the reason why that seems surprising to me is because you've become a mainstay, I think, at all the storytelling events in Madison. Um, So you are just reliably telling good stories all over the place in Madison, so this is a story that you told at Cafe Coda this spring. So Oscar Morales, who's the Poet Laureate of Madison, he did a, I think it was a, a two-month. Yeah, about well, two in, months. Two-month weekly thing at Cafe Coda for happy hour from five to seven. And so I know he asked you to organize one event, um, and he asked me to organize one event. And so I asked you to come and tell a story. And this is a story that you told. So what we're going to do is listen to it, and then we will talk about it. All right.
2: Rotten Tomatoes claims the coming-of-age film Wonder, starring Julia Roberts, doesn't shy away from the book's sentiment. Since I've read the book Wonder, and I know countless teachers who have used this bestseller to teach their students to choose kind. It did not surprise me when my Trump voting, Alabama-raised charter school principal decided it would be a good idea to take not one, but two mustard yellow school buses full of stinky middle school students on a field trip to see this inspiring yet heartbreaking film. Because having 100 hormonal adolescent students hopped up on candy and soda in the same dark room together, how could that go poorly? I love my students, and I don't want to see my school end up on the news, so there's no way I'm not going on this field trip. And much to my delight, the bus ride to the movie theater went smooth. The students, for the most part, were in good spirits. There was an occasional outburst, but for the most part, they were pretty darn good. And we didn't lose a student, because trust me, that happens a lot, (laughs) especially with middle school students who love to wander and have the tendency to test boundaries. So I was relieved when we got them all back on the bus unscathed. But riding back, my principal got cocky. And she decided to ask not my students, all of my students, about the movie. And my students immediately responded, that movie was trash. The entire bus erupted like a trap concert, and the kids in chorus yelled, yes, queen, (laughs) like the great philosopher Cardi B herself. I could see all of my principal's good intentions rush out of her rosy red cheeks. So me, being the teacher I am, saw this as a teachable moment. I cut my eyes at them. FYI, my teacher stare is amazing. Silence. Then I said, now class, what's your C.E.R.? For you non-teaching folks, C.E.R. stands for Claims, Evidence, and Reasoning. And my students said immediately, my claim is the movie was trash because ain't no mama that nice. (laughs) And wasn't she a hooker? Wrong movie, Chris. (laughs) But she was fake. And just like we practiced in class, immediately I was like, okay then, what's your evidence and reasoning? And the student said, yes. Julia Roberts was fake because ain't no mama I know like that. He forgot the evidence. So I was like, what's your evidence here? And he says, the butt whoopings we all get. (laughs) Man. Touche, I thought. How am I going to come up with a rebuttal for this? So immediately, I dove into my best monologue ever. And I told them that I'm not close with my mother. My mother left me on the curve and told me that I couldn't come back. She sold all of my items when I went to college. And in college, it wasn't there till then when I recognized the beautiful, the beautiful mothering that my college roommate had. I realized that her love for him transcended Julia Roberts' love for Augie. She was amazing. She called him every morning to make sure he was awake. She inspired my teaching. Their family made decisions together as a family unit. And I'll never forget the time my roommate's ex-girlfriend broke up with him, and his mom saw her in a grocery store and tried to jump her. (laughs)
0: Like
2: this was a mama bear. I told them I understood. I still feel the pain from the belt lashings my mother would give me. And it's hard to accept the love that you've never known. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I look over and I see my principal mouth at me, thank you, because the bus has finally made it to the school. But I would like to think she was thanking me because I made her aware that it's a lot harder to teach kind to kids whose skin is beautifully stained like mine who don't have Julia Roberts playing the role of their mother.
1: So, so this is the third time I've heard your story. I liked it every time I've heard it because I know you told it the moth one time and then you told it at Cafe Coda. But so, but I just wanted for people listening who the first time I heard it, I don't know this movie. Uh, so if you could just tell us a little bit about um, wh- what kind of Mother Julia Roberts was in this movie. Clearly, she was a great one. But it just might be useful for people who don't know the movie. To
0: yeah.
2: So Julia Roberts was magical. Um, Her son had a facial deformity, but she dropped all of her plans. She was working on her dissertation, wanted to be an art professor, and uh, focused all of her attention on homeschooling this kid named Augie. And he was so well-adjusted that even though he was afraid to show his face in public, he never doubted the fact that he was loved. Um, And they allowed him to feel all the emotions in the world while he went through school. And he goes through this process where he starts to realize that he still has value because his family loves him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just an incredible idea that we should choose to be kind to everyone and treat everyone like this family unit. So it was a part of the movie that, you know, stuck with me a lot. And I was surprised it caught my kids the way it did as well, the ones
0: that I taught.
1: Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that was interesting.
0: Thank you. Well, you did a really good job telling that story. It was um, very heartfelt, and I felt that, like, on a deep level, like that whole um, stepping back and thinking about survival of the children that you're teaching and how they learn to love and, you know, how you can teach them from that standpoint. So it's, it was it was deep. I could go into that.
1: Like me, you could have a real deep conversation about that story. Oh, yeah, some good for, stuff sure, in for sure, for sure. job. Thank you. What was your favorite part of the story? Like when you were putting it together, you know, like how, how are you thinking about it? What was the part that you really enjoyed?
2: So I, that bus, um, so... To give you some context, that school was a charter school, um, in Indiana. Um, it was like South Bend, Indiana. Um, and it was like, it was like a career focused charter school, like really low budget, a lot of donations. Superintendent, I think was like 27 years old. So the superintendent was younger than me. And on a similar bus that they rented because our school became an A school because we passed our, um, assessment test for the state of Indiana, he rented it out and he filled it with liquor. And he got all the teachers extremely drunk, and we almost lost a teacher on that, like, on, like, that party bus he took us on to a museum. So I'm thinking, we definitely gonna lose a kid if if we (laughs) we can't keep adults together. So, like, the idea of just being on that bus, people don't understand the stress that I was under, that we were gonna lose somebody. Um, and then also like I've spent some time in Texas and it's a, it's like really known in Austin that, um, one of their charter schools lost a kid at the beach and he ended up drowning to death. So the, like, just the stress of like, oh, we're going to like take all these charter school teachers. Some of them aren't even certified. Some of them are just people we pulled off the street, put them all on a bus, take all these kids to this movie theater and not lose one you know like Mm -hmm. I was like panicked so like that's when I talk about the relief of like just making it back (laughs) you know like I just think about wow like not only that but like my kids learned something from this movie even though they didn't want to like oh you gonna take us black kids to see this white ass movie because it was I mean all the characters are white like there there was like a goofy black guy who dated a white girl in the movie but that was like it so I like them connecting with the story of that like Mm -hmm. and me making it back and we not losing a kid and me knowing that at least for the year they had me they had structure as a teacher Mm -hmm. um that was the relief i felt like that when i think about that like man i survived that year
1: i felt for you being on the bus with that many middle school kids (laughs) oh my god oh my god you know I mean, just having when, when I would have my kids have their friends over, you know, five or six seemed like a, like more than enough, you know, at that age. <laughs> five <laughs> or so, six too many. Yeah. Um, So I have a question, and I I've so I've lis- listened back to some the podcast we've done so far, and I know I have a tendency for my questions to be sort of mini dissertations, and I'm trying to not have them quite be so long, but I don't think I can do that for this question. <laughs> but so so the thing that I just think I just sort of found just brilliant with this story and what really has stuck with me is so you you know the story you tell is a super interesting story it's sort of like engaging you You could think about it you know what happens on the bus you know you sort of tell your own very personal story to the kids and it has an impact and so if you had just done that it would have been a great story but instead you sort of bracket it with this white woman, right? So the first thing you tell us is that she's a white woman. So already, you know, you sort of can think, okay, well, yeah, we, you know, we tend to have some blind spots, you know, and then, um, but then you say so she's a Trump supporter. So then it's like, okay, so now it's like a particular kind of white person. Um, and then, so when you end it and you, and you say, so she thanks you and you say, well, what was that thank you for? Cause, and you leave it like, we're not quite sure. Right. Because you'd like to think that, um, you know, uh, when she, as a, Trump-supporting white woman, if she is exposed to kids who come from different race, different income or whatever, and she learns something about what they're saying through your translation, you'd like to think that her thank you was like, thank you for helping me understand the world better. But her thank you could have just been, thank you for getting us back to the school. And we don't really know, right? And so that's the thing that sort of stuck with me, like, well, what what did she mean? You know, like, I'd like to find her, you know, and find out. So I really like how you did that. And so I'm just curious kind of how you, how you thought about it when you put that together.
2: Yeah, when I when I think about telling someone else's story, I always want to be careful not to think for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing that principal, she was from Alabama. She had the sticker on her door. She told everyone she voted for Trump and that she was a proud Republican, mm-hmm. and that's why she was working at a charter school. This is also cool. the same principal on the party bus that kind of fell on my lap and started twerking a little bit. So our relationship <laughs> just wasn't. Well oh, rounded. Okay. Our relationship I mean, that, just wasn't that the best.
1: Changes completely my image of her. I have so, to say. So <laughs> and she also
2: said to me once like. We had like we didn't have that many Black students. We didn't have that many Latinx students, you know. And there was like a fight between those folks. Um, and she was like, "There's gonna be a race war." And I was like, "You don't know anything about the community and kids that you're serving, mm-hmm. do you?" So we had a really mixed history. But I could, I just wanted her to be in it, but I didn't want it to be about her. In the way that she made me feel, like mm-hmm. the moment was between me and these students. Like. Right. And when I think about my academic career and me getting an education, that's what it's been about. Um, I've run into a lot of roadblocks trying to navigate whiteness my entire life. But that's not what it's about. It's about these kids seeing that, oh, here's somebody who can do it, mm-hmm. who can go through this process and be- can become successful despite all of these limitations. Like, I kind of froze when I talked about the curve part in the Mm -hmm. story Um, and that's because like my parents like screwed me over when it was time for me to go to college like they just dropped me off and went to the casino and I almost didn't get to register for classes because your parents have to do some parts of orientation Mm -hmm. for you to be a full time student and they just blew it off like they didn't take the fact that I wanted to go to college, that I wanted to go to college to be a teacher, very seriously. They're kind of just like, oh, whatever. We'll sell all of this stuff. He'll come home because he has to have these material possessions in order to feel po- in order to feel like he's, you know, like he's popular. Like like I was playing that game, and I was like, no, like I really want a different life than the life that I was raised in. So, I mean, those are the components that I'm thinking about when I'm telling the story because. I've seen other people tell stories and they tell somebody else's narrative and they lose the audience completely. Right. So you want to give the audience your story. They want to feel like they're with you, but everyone else, they want to be able to fill in the blanks because you can't control what anyone else thinks or does. But you, you know, but you know what you where you were at in that moment. And that's something I've taken, of course, from the writing prompts that you've given me, Jen, and from me sitting in the storytelling workshops, um, things to be very, like, be careful and mindful of when we're talking about trying to be intersectional in our work, and we're trying not to cause harm to people's narratives.
0: And that's one thing I really picked up, is just the intersectionality of you talked about, you know, your experience as a male, and then you brought in the teacher aspect and the race aspect and all those things kind of mingled together, and Mm -hmm. just showing that representation that, you know, a black man teacher, and then that your childhood was Good, but you know, you kind of made it there. Was a really good illustration for the kids and for the listeners too, just to kind of show that you know, well-meaning white folks may not understand their intentions fall on deaf ears and blindness. You know, so you got to be a little bit more intentional. And you have to
2: think about the well, you know, the well-rounded black folks that teach. Yes, exactly. There's a lot of black teachers that come from very affluent backgrounds that feel that's feel that's their way to come, like to give back. Mm -hmm. Like people forget, like the black middle class has a generation of kids. You know, a lot of them that want to do service work that don't have an understanding of poverty.
1: Yes. That are
2: trying to work in these schools and they are being, like, they're having all of this dumped on them. Like, they understand what it's like to have to get all your food at a gas station. Like, how, like they understand how to navigate using food stamps or being off reduced lunch and knowing mm-hmm. that that food makes your stomach sick. And that's why you need to use the bathroom so often. Like, they don't have those same right. experiences. So, I just wanted to, you know, one thing I want to make people aware is that my story is rare. Like, not only did I, you know, successfully um, get the degree, pass the certification to teach science. But I'm actually from, but I'm actually from like some of the roughest areas, you know, in Lansing, Michigan, my family's from Detroit, like um, I've seen poverty, I know poverty, it's like a secondhand nature for me. So like bringing that to attention too. like, oh, people are not even thinking about like the classism that happens with an education that is even more problematic. Right. You know, there's students very, very early, very rarely get somebody who reflects who they are in the classroom.
0: Right, and telling those stories, and not from a way of you know feel sorry for me. Here's my background, here's my history, but look, oh, I yeah. have some pride and I have some humanity to show you that go beyond my um, circumstance that I grew up in. So
2: that's what I love about well story slam, like because you have the opportunity to make something that people look down upon seem like really, really great. Like, I can change your perspective on what you think teaching is. In five minutes. Because mm-hmm. you thought it was this way, but when I explain to you my experience of being in there and I share with you the people who are around me, um, you know that it's different than what you might have thought it was. And that's always my hope, like, oh, yeah, maybe this person will volunteer for the Urban League mm-hmm. and do some tutoring now, now that they see that there's joy right. mm-hmm. um, in there.
1: Well, and I think I think that's one of the things, I, I don't know, maybe I've heard you tell four or five stories, yeah. and I think that's one of the things that you do very well, and it's like th- what you just said about c- can hearing a story change how someone experiences something? And that's more likely to happen if someone's told a story well, right? And I feel like yeah. one of the things that has to happen first, like right from the beginning, is how you introduce yourself. So like right away, the audience is likes you or is rooting for you, right? Because if the audience doesn't like you or isn't rooting for you, they're not going to absorb the story in the same way and so i think you always do a great job of just from whatever it is you say right from the get-go it's like oh well okay that's interesting i'm not sure where he's going but that's interesting Mm -hmm. yeah
0: It has some compassion too. They're kind of like, "Oh man, I, like I said, I felt sorry for you with those kids." Okay, I want you to win. I want you to get there. I want you to make it back with all the kids, and right. no problems. And then they're following the story along. So oh, yeah. those kind of intros.
2: Yeah, we are we all good. know those 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 crazy stories of the teacher that fought somebody, or the kid that got lost, or the parent that made something happen. So I thought that was just a great um, way to pull them in.
1: My um, my a friend of mine tells a story years and years ago. So he taught in um, in Brooklyn, in New York, and they're taken. When he tells me this, I was like, why were you doing this? It was similar to what you're doing. They took a bunch of kids on a bus into Manhattan to see a, sh- a show. And, he, and, and these kids had never been to a show, and he's very excited. And, and there was an altercation between a pedestrian and the bus driver. And the pedestrian, like, pries open the doors and starts getting into a fight with this, like, 80-year-old bus driver. And my friend has this moment where he realizes, and he looks back, and the kids are, like, doing the wave. They're so excited about this fight. And he realizes they're not going to remember anything of this whole trip other yeah. than the fact that this like 80 year old bus driver is fighting with a pedestrian, you know, and anyway, just yeah. remind me of like, I, I had a similar
2: moment of awakeness, um, awakeness, um, when I, so I raised all this money with my co-teachers to take our students. I was teaching in Phoenix at the time we took them to DC for three days. And, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take them to Earth and Science mm-hmm. Museum. We're going to take them to the Holocaust Museum. The only thing that my kids are super excited about, we're seeing squirrels for the first time. <laughs> you know, and I was just like, you know what? That's still joy. Yes. Like, you know, like, and I just have to realize that it's not about me. Like, right. mm-hmm. This right. is, an, you know, like, this is their opportunity. They're going to take from it what they can. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, it's a beautiful thing that I have these kids from, you know, an urban school in inner city Phoenix with me right now. Their parents trust me enough to take them across the country. So who cares if they like squirrels more than they like seeing astronauts?
0: Okay. It's about the experience. And you said that, yeah. like, can you change someone's mind or heart in that five minutes? Because then the story's not about you and what, how you mm-hmm. tell it. It's how the listener receives it and what they do with it. So you're new to Madison, I hear. So uh-huh. uh, what's something you've learned or something that you love to do now here in Madison?
2: Uh, one thing I fell in love with is I loved hiking. Like, your park system is so well organized, um it's just it's great um and then on top of that like the opportunities to learn here um, there's so many people here that value art. Like, there's a writing class. Yes. There's like multiple people teaching writing classes. So I try to, when I'm not working, I try to jump into a writing class. I'm taking an improv class right now.
0: That's cool. Um,
2: Edgewood Edgewood asked me, a student from Edgewood asked me to be in a one act play. So I did the one act play. I just think the opportunities to lo- lo- to learn and grow as an artist are like endless here. Mm-hmm. And like, and it's crazy to be in a place where people are like, yeah, we'll open up a space for you to like host.
1: You know, host open <laughs> mic.
2: Like I'm not used to that. Like I'm used to bar, like I'm used to bar owners being like, "Nah, man, storytelling." You know, people don't really drink that much. If you do that in our venue or poetry, no, nah, we don't really do poetry like that. So just the just the excitement around the fact that people know that art can change lives here. Um, I just love to support as much as I can. Like I love to like get out there and see what I can see and talk to people at different venues. One of my favorite venues right now is Crescendo on Monroe Street, um, and they're like this is the first time I've ever seen it. But an owner came out and explained to the audience that this is a listening experience. So this is not about talking. This is about oh, connecting oh. with the artist and having some mindfulness for the time when they're performing. That's and awesome. I was like <laughs> I was like they'll get my money like right. every time they're doing a show even yes. if I'm the only one in here like right. because I mean I I've, I've been dying to hear that cuz there's nothing more there's nothing I hate more than you go out to see somebody perform and the people the people in the audience are just they're so like so caught up in their own conversation on their that they're ruining they're ruining the experience yes. for everybody else right. and it's just like man if you just knew how how like how much effort goes into getting up on stage and sharing your truth with strangers I don't think you would act that way no but, they would not yeah. but like I mean that's something that I realize that hasn't been taught at some venues and the fact that I'm seeing that it's already being done here in Madison just makes just, makes, just fills my heart it makes it feel good
1: great well um, thanks so much for coming in and talking to us about your story good really time. appreciate it thank you for having me yeah and uh, probably see you at the Moth I oh hope yeah
2: so. <laughs> probably definitely definitely
1: Great, thank you. Thanks. I really was interested in how he talked about like why he likes Madison. You know that that Madison has all this opportunity for learning. I think I've been here for so long that I just don't really notice Madison. It is, it's here.
0: pretty artsy here.
1: Yeah, but I but I but I totally see what he's saying. That there are just there are lots of opportunities, and there's lots of spaces to perform in Madison. So. It was. I enjoyed hearing him say that. We're equally as popular with drinking beer as we are with storytellers, so right. that's cool. Well, or it could also be that, you know, in Wisconsin, people are going to drink beer no matter what's happening. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. It's summer tell too. a story, so, perform drink a, a beer. song, whatever. Yeah, so anyway. Um, well, thanks for listening to another episode of Inside Stories. Just uh, a couple of our things we like to say is please subscribe if you have not already subscribed. And if you are on Facebook, you know, pun- type in Inside Stories and you'll find us on Facebook. And if you like us, you'll see some of the, like the photos of the, the storytellers and things of that nature.
0: Um, oh, thanks again to Richard for the fancy studio. Um, he's upgraded. y'all, also just want to say that
1: it looks nice in here. Um, so thanks for the studio space, Oddly Arranged. And I think that's probably it. You know, there's the the, the the moth is in Madison, and you should come hear some story slams sometimes. Second Monday of every month at the High Noon Saloon, Madison Story Slams at the Wilmar Center. Um, and if there's other storytelling events going on around town, email us and let us know, and then we'll let everyone else know. Yeah. Oh, and thanks to the Wisconsin Arts Commission, or was it Madison? Madison? Madison Arts yeah. Commission,
0: yeah. my bad. Madison Arts Commission for your um, wonderfulness. Um, and send us other story ideas or venues that you know about around town as
1: well as any music that you would like to have featured. I think that's it so um, we'll we'll be back next Wednesday. All right thanks for listening.